Crush your menopause sugar cravings just in time for summer with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. They're delicious keto and intermittent fasting-friendly bars created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the challenging stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code HOTCOOL10. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And on today's show, we have Dr. Michael Critchman. And we're going to be talking about a couple things that were relatively new for Bridget and I. We're going to be talking about survivorship medicine and complex gynecology. And basically, what survivorship medicine means is that as we are aging, we are going to start to develop some chronic issues. For some women, it's cancer. For other women, it might be hypertension. And in that, we need to have a team of healthcare professionals that can address our concerns so that we stay healthy over time, but the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. So if you're being medicated for one condition, your other doctors are aware that you're on this medication or that you have to be taken care of a little differently than just a typical well checkup. And complex gynecology is also talking about as we age that there can be some complexities, anything from vulva issues, atrophy, pap smears that may be abnormal. Dr. Critchman is a clinical health professional at the University of California, Irvine. He maintains a clinical practice of complex gynecology at Ann Center, which is a high-risk breast and ovarian cancer center. He specializes in cancer survivorship, vulvar disease, and comprehensive care, those with chronic disease, and focuses on quality of life concerns. So kind of what we're saying here is that as we get older, you know, you're going to have issues and the doctors need to be able to address those. But I had not heard of survivorship medicine oh, before this. survivorship or complex gynecology. I found this so interesting. And it is so true that your team of doctors need to communicate with each other. And that does not happen a lot. You know, as we get older, and he will talk about this in our interview with him, you will go, you know, you'll go today, I have a problem with my knee. I'm going to an, a sports orthopedic doctor. I'm going to my gynecologist. I'm going to my general practitioner. I'm going to my um, cardiologist for my high blood pressure. And they may not know what the other one's doing. Right. And and there need you need to be, you know, he also says how you have to be an advocate for yourself and how different medicines can interact with each other. And things can happen that you might get a whole new symptom going because of some medication that you're on. And that the doctor that is prescribing that medication needs to know what else is going on with you. And and I know we go to the doctor, we fill out all that paperwork and but you know, we fill out. We try to and tell who's them what's really going on. who's really yes. looking at that paperwork half the time. <laughs> I, I feel like they come in and they're looking at it as they walk in the door. Yeah, and and that's another thing he addresses in here. And you you ask a really good question of him. You're in there maybe 15 minutes if you're lucky, um, if you have that time to talk to your doctor. And it's very important. You'll have to listen in. Colleen asks him, "What are your top? What are, what's the most important thing?" And I love his answer to that question. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to what he says to that. 
And it's also interesting that he mentions that research has shown that within 11 seconds, a woman is interrupted by her clinician after she walks in the door. So you sit down, you start a conversation with your doctor, and within 11 seconds, you're interrupted. What can you possibly say in 11 seconds that would be worth interrupting? I mean, unless you're cussing them out immediately, right? Which, <laughs> which I doubt you are. That amazed uh, me. I was that like, oh, was it, that was so eye opening. We're yes. going to let him talk about all that stuff, but we wanted to bring up the fact that it is November, which means it's almost time for our twelve days of holiday giveaways and our holiday gift guide. Bridget and I are compiling the holiday gift guide right now. It's really incredible. We'll probably buy most of the things that we include in there, but we want to hear from you guys. This is a midlife woman's holiday guide. What would you like to see in it? If you could email us at hotflasheskooltopics at gmail.com, give us some ideas on what you think would be great gifts for you for the holidays, not for everybody else, but for you. Let us know, and we will try to find the best price, best company, you know, things like we're going to, we have some great companies for cooling sheets and cooling clothes and all that fun stuff you have to deal with when you are going through menopause. So stay tuned for that. 12 days of holiday giveaways will be getting November 28th. We're doing things a little differently this year. So we'll talk more about that when we get closer. Until then, it's time to listen to the interview with Dr. Critchman. Enjoy. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. We are here live at Wise Pause. And we are talking with Dr. Michael Critchman, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dr. Critchman is a clinical health professor at UC Irvine and also at Ann's Clinic. And I think it's really interesting that you are an expert in survivorship medicine. Can we start with just explaining what survivorship medicine is? So really, you know, um, historically I came from Memorial Sloan Kettering. So when most people think about survivorship, they think about surviving cancer. And uh, yes, indeed, that's the primary concept. I really work at the concept of prevention of disease and wellness and optimizing health. And it's kind of optimized and kind of evolved to this whole concept of chronic medical conditions, right? So as we age, as women age through midlife and beyond, uh, very often they'll have, you know, up to two to five diagnoses, whether it's hypertension, high cholesterol, bone health issues. And really, how do you modify your medical care to optimize that management in the face of chronic conditions. So survivorship really means about prevention. So we're going to prevent the disease from worsening or from reoccurring. Plus, how do we optimize wellness given your special situations? That's amazing because I don't think we women even realize that there is something like that out there to talk about because, you know, we spoke with Joan London a while ago and she's always like, you need this file of tests as you get older that you don't even realize you need to have evaluated like a bone density test, like your eyes, your ears, everything. Dermatology test, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mammogram. What can women do to start focusing on, okay, I, I might have hypertension. Should I, what should I say to my doctor to make sure that I'm getting kind of that individualized treatment? Well, your point is really well taken. And very often women come to me and they'll say, you're finally the clinician who's putting all the pieces of the puzzle right. together. So I think for me, the, there's two main issues. One is you have to build your healthcare team. 
right? And you have to optimize your healthcare team. And it's okay to fire your clinician. And it's okay to find another clinician. Um, we know the average clinician will interrupt a woman, uh, specifically after about 11 seconds after she speaks. Really? So you need a clinician who will listen, who's not in a rush, and who will be your partner. Um, I always say a good clinician is never afraid of a second opinion, too. So that's the first and foremost, is develop your team. And that comes from women talking to women. It comes from being your own health advocate and doing research. And it also is very important for a woman herself to become empowered. You have to be your own advocate. And you really need to know how the healthcare system has changed, right? Healthcare system has changed. We're doing a lot of telehealth where, you know, clinicians are being very much taxed. They're, you know, have to see more patients in less time. And um, very often their needs are not being met. So women need to seek out specific clinicians who can kind of put the pieces together. And if you're not being heard, that's kind of the first first option is to find a place where you can develop that relationship. It's so amazing to me because when I was reading about you and it, it came up complex gynecology and I said, Colleen, we've been doing this for three years. I've never heard that the term, the term right. complex gynecology. And it's amazing. It's hard for women to even find someone, I think, like you. How, I mean, are there a lot of, how do you find, uh, yeah, how, how do you, you find, find you? you? Well, yeah. I, mean, I would say for me, it's probably a third, a third, a third, a third of my patients come from women who have seen me and they're talking about the experience and talking about what they've done. A third are coming from the internet and a third are coming from clinicians. So it's all about awareness. And again, the concept of complex gynecology is, I believe, how we're all living, right? We're taking supplements. We're exercising. We're all trying to optimize our health. We all have chronic conditions. We're all getting older, you know, and I think those are very, very important. And the way the um, healthcare system has evolved is you have a finger, you go to a finger specialist. You have a problem with your breast, you go to a breast surgeon. You have a problem with your eye, you go to the eye doctor. Um, and one doctor will prescribe one thing and maybe not know what the other one is doing. And the body is a complex interplay, right? Everything interacts, right? So when you have, let's take cancer, for, for instance, you have surgery, then you get chemotherapy, then you get radiation, and then you put on medication. And that all has far-reaching implications on your bones, on your heart, on your vagina, on your sex life, on your mental evolving and surviving and living with that complex. But each clinician, the surgeon wants to cut, the radiation wants to give radiation, and the chemotherapy runs the drugs, and they're not looking at the big picture. So that's kind of what survivorship is, is looking at the big picture, taking a step back and saying, okay, what medications are you on? These all interplay. So it's very interesting. Just yesterday, I had a very, um, what I would call very complex patient. She had a heart attack. She um, was on hormones, and if you have a heart attack, you're not supposed to be on hormones. But she was so debilitated that she couldn't survive without without hormones. So I had to work with her cardiologist. I had to make sure she was anticoagulated and monitored and carefully um, watched. And 
Um, she has hypertension and high cholesterol. So it's it's all these specialists working together in an integrated way. And it's very interesting. She comes to me as the survivorship person who's taking care of her vagina. And she says, you know, my biggest complaint now is hair loss. So I said, um, I pulled up the, the differential for hair loss. And I said, you're on four out of six medications that cause hair loss. Have you talked to the doctors who have prescribed that? So the heart doctor and the blood thinner doctor and what have you. So I think it's about this. We've, we've become so ultra specialized. Sometimes we don't see the big picture, right? So we do breast surgery, we remove the breast and it's kind of like this just a syndrome, right? We're just going to take the other breast off. We're just going to remove your ovaries. We're just going to put you on this. And it's kind of like me in a renovation. I was just going to change you know, the appliances, <laughs> yes, right? But, but then, change yeah. The appliances and, and then the sink. becomes the bathroom in the bathroom. You know, and, yeah. and, 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 and then the sink didn't fit. And then there was a window. And we're just going to change the window into a, a patio door. And it's just a patio to nowhere. So it's just where does this end in terms of more and more and more treatment without the far-reaching implications of an integrated system and really focusing on on quality of life. So complex gynecology, I think, really is about the complexities of women and how they change and how they're uh, affected by disease itself, by what we do as clinicians to cure or keep disease from progressing, and about medications. Um, and plus environmental issues and how we're, women are influenced by what goes around with them. And the number one issue, I would say, is stress. Oh, it is. <laughs> the stress seems to exacerbate everything that right. you're going through. And very interesting data on stress and cancer. And, um, you know, we all know that when we're stressed, we kind of get a little tickle in our throat. We're not healing well. We know stress impacts our hormones. Women who are under chronic stress have lower testosterone. Lower testosterone leads to lower libido, leads to frustration, leads to lack of energy, leads to mood changes. So, again, integrated system. Very interesting study, um, that most people are not aware of is this concept of mindfulness where you're staying focused and you're kind of decreasing your stress. They looked at genetic issues related to breast cancer survivors and their genetics and their genes. And one group had this intervention, one group didn't. The group that had the intervention seemed to have larger chromosomes and led to a lowered rate of recurrence. Hmm. So we know that stress impacts our natural killer cells, our natural defense system. We're, we're being attacked every day by all kinds of environmental toxins, all kinds of cancer stuff. I mean, it's just the way we live. And if our immunity is not well, because we're under chronic stress, that certainly will affect us. So very interesting about the integration about stress and fatigue. And let's, not, let's lump in sleep there too, because we are chronically not sleeping very well, um, that all impacts how we function the next day, right? So menopausal women, they tend to not have a problem falling asleep. They have a problem staying asleep. So they have chaotic sleep. They have non-restorative sleep. So you may sleep two hours and then you're up and then two hours and then you're up and then two hours and you're up. You've slept a total of six hours, but it's not the same as sleeping six continuous hours. Mm -hmm. You're still feeling groggy. You're still feeling like, hey, what's that thingy you write with? I can't remember yes, that yes. word. <laughs> yeah. I know what it is, but mm -hmm. I can't find it. Word retrieval. 
low libido, fatigue. So there's a lot of downstream issues related to aging and menopause as well. Mm -hmm. We've spoken to a lot of women who have had breast cancer and they're afraid or have breast cancer in the family and they're afraid to go on HRTs. What is your position with that? So um, I think we have to understand risk, right? And the challenge with risk is when it happens to you, it's 100%, right? And I, I talked about this earlier today, right? We all take risks every single day and we don't really realize it. Everybody got on the freeway and drove here. The risk benefit was great, right? I'm going to risk being on the 405 or the 5 and freeway in LA traffic, which is pretty dangerous. <laughs> We're discovering that. Yes. <laughs> or I live in Southern California and the risk of getting skin cancer is 1 in 30. Um, wow. You know, or, you know, I'm going to drive above the speed limit or what have you. Um, I think it's challenging to quantify risk. So my position is for breast cancer, I think if people have active breast cancer, my, my strong position is that they really should not be on systemic hormones, meaning hormones by mouth or by patch or what have you. Um, do I have women on that? Yes. And I, I will be very honest. I do have some women who are on that and they have decided for themselves what's the risk benefit ratio. Um, and I would rather them be monitored closely and not overdosed and taking proper um, hormones and being monitored and have proper surveillance than getting it from someone random. But I think the challenge happens with um, when you have breast cancer, you're very often um, challenged both for hot flashes and for vaginal health. So vaginal, so let's talk hot flashes first. There are a multitude of things that you can do. So the worst thing that I would always say is I hear women say, oh, just grin and bear it. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I have women who can't function because right. of their hot flashes. Mm -hmm. And breast cancer doesn't define them. It's something that happened and it moved, they need to move forward. And there's a lot of things in our war chests that we can use, whether it's conservative measures that are over the counter, rhythmic breathing and yoga and mindfulness. And there's supplements like a quell or resilin. And there's a new cool product called the V cool, which is kind of, um, a new product. It's kind of like a little heart-shaped gel pack you put in your undergarments, and it cools you off. And it's not hormones, mm -hmm. and it really works. Um, it was developed by a gynecologist, who I know, and I think it's really new and innovative. And then you get into like supplements, and then you get into other prescription um, products that are non-hormonal that may be approved for other things that have been studied to help ease that. So again, it's kind of like a recipe and you have to kind of pick and choose what will work for them. Um, so I tend to not give hormones, but there's a lot of things that we can do. I have women that do acupuncture. I have women that take supplements. I have women that use a chillo, um, a whole variety of things. And sometimes you have to layer it and it depends on the extent of bother. Now, what about vaginal health? I think vaginal health is super important because it's not only about intimacy and sexuality. Um, I think there are many, many breast cancer patients who have what I would call vaginal awareness syndrome. They are thinking about their burning, itching, painful, red hot vagina 24 seven. And it is really debilitating. I have women that can't leave the house. They can't get dressed because it is so painful. So it's not only about intimacy, it's about comfort. 
as well. And again, uh, same thing, conservative to more aggressive. And conservative, there's a lot of good over-the-counter moisturizers. Um, and moisturizers maintain. They help the ridges, folds, elasticity, pliability, stretchability. And also the lubricants. Lubricants yes. for lovemaking. You yes. know, the yes. lubricity and all those other facets as well are very, very important. And then for some women, there there's the option of minimally absorbed local vaginal estrogen. And there's also alternatives. There's things that are precursors like intravaginal DHEA and what have you. I always say there is always something that you can do. Mm-hmm. There's always something that you can do. There's always new and innovative products coming on the market. And I think that it is really, um, it's a shame that some women are suffering in silence. Yes. And I think the challenge that I always see is sometimes women say, you know, if my healthcare clinician thought this was important, they would bring it up. And the clinician sits back and says, you know, if this was important for the patient, the patient would bring bring it it up. up. I call that the conspiracy of silence. And I want women to be empowered Mm -hmm. um, to take control Mm. of their health destiny. When you are seeing your doctor and it might be your primary care and you have 15 minutes with that doctor and you can't prioritize all this, what can you do to advocate for yourself to get a more comprehensive kind of team together that's okay. not just your primary care. So what I think the most important thing to do is be prepared for your visit, mm-hmm. right? So be prepared and try to think about what are the top, let's say, three issues that I want to address at this time. And start off your visit by saying, I have a multitude of things that I want to discuss with you. And this visit, I'm going to focus on three. And I think you have to advocate for um, specialists when you need them. And sometimes it's it's very important to get your clinician to say, I would say the three most powerful words in medicine, tell me more. So if your clinician is not saying those words, you need to find someone who will. Because I think it's critical that you develop a team. Again, speak to your girlfriends, speak to other providers that you um, really trust and believe in. And I really, I mean, I can't do it all. And I've enlisted a group of people that I know. I have people in LA County, I have people in San Diego that I know, and we develop a network of people that are really um, thoughtful and will listen. And of course, you have to set realistic expectations, right? You can't cover a, a lot of things at a short visit, but the new trend, you know, is longer visits. Um, you know, um, I will be moving towards an, a newer facility in um, probably the next six to eight months where we're going to have 20 minutes, 40 minutes, and an hour visit. Um, so it's a new trend. Um, it's not just wham, bam. And it's quality care that is measured by metrics and by outcomes and by research. So I think it's really important to set the record straight. There are clinicians out there that care and that that are going to listen. There's certainly um, those that are available. I think you have to do your research and your homework. And if your clinician is not listening, it's okay to fire them. 
and it's okay to find somebody Which, new. It, women find very hard to do. They I've been do. Going to yes. the same doctor for ten years. Right. I don't want to. Yeah hurt their feelings right. and you have to realize you're not hurting their feelings. Right. right. And you can be very frank and honest. And yeah. my patients, I will tell you, I am by no means a hundred percent perfect. My patients, uh, you know, come in and say, you know, last visit, I kind of felt like you were a little rushed. Let's talk about this okay. again. And I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm mm-hmm. sorry that you felt that way. Let's revisit one of those issues. So I think, and, and they saved my patients. I have patients. I don't know if you were listening. I have a patient of mine who's well into her nineties. She's been my patient for 20 years. Uh, she's still on hormones. Um, she's doing amazing. Um, but throughout the year, she's developed other chronic conditions and we've optimized her. And she always now, like we don't really do, um, exams. She comes in every six months. She brings me good zucchini bread. And, <laughs> um, and she's like, you're my, you're my easiest doctor to talk to because oh, you know, everything that's... else is all going well. And, um, you know, I think you just have to find an advocate. Yes. Are there any websites that women can go on? Like NAMS, obviously we recommend people right. to check out, but some, are there any websites you would recommend for women to go to? Well, I think for for menopause, I think the North American Menopause Society is probably the best, and they have Finder Provider there. Um, there are, you know, a variety of different things, like the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, ASECT, uh, is also a very, very good website if you're thinking about counseling or therapy for sexual health issues related to menopause as well. Um, the American College of OBGYN is also very good as well. Okay. And do you have a website as well? So do you mind sharing that for our listeners? Yes. Um, I do. My new website is drkritchman.com. Okay. And that's K-R-Y-C-H-M-A-N. Correct. One last question. We've talked to a couple of doctors um, about breast cancer and they have, they have said how important it is to get a breast MRI and how difficult women find are able to, the doctors don't want to do it. And also something called the fast MRI. Are you familiar? So for me, I think, you know, the gold standard is a mammogram. And I think for me, I think what, what the challenge is, it's very confusing with the guidelines because guidelines said, when do you start? (laughs) Um, you know, uh, how often do you have it? So, I typically, um, because remember, I'm also in a high-risk breast ovarian center, so my job is to kind of be hypervigilant, and I sometimes have people, which we call the worried well, that are very anxious, so we do digital mammogram, and if warranted, we'll either get an MRI or an ultrasound. So an MRI is very important if you have very dense breasts or you have problems that are visualized in the mammogram. I think for me, annual screening is very, very important. I don't go every two years. And I know that some recommendations and guidelines say stop, but you know, I have some 90 year olds that are 60 Mm-hmm. And um, I have some 60-year-olds that have bodies like 90-year-olds. Yes. So I, I don't really ascribe to that. And I know my 90-year-old patients will be very aggressive and they'll mm-hmm. do very well if they find any issue. So I think you have to uh, balance that um, between, and I would agree, it's very challenging with insurance and coverage right. and cost as well. This goes back into what we talked about before. And I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but if I want an MRI for a patient, I typically get it because I know how to fight for my patients. And that really is partnering with them and getting an advocate and working with my team that I have in my clinic to know how to play the healthcare game 
is it is it all the cost and the codes involved? Is that why well, you have to I fight? Well, I mean, it, it's also sometimes it's the effort, right? You've right, got to do true. the prior off. You've got to speak to them. Sometimes you need a one-on-one. You need to explain to them why it's necessary. And sometimes the person on the other end who's doing insurance or granting is not um, not as healthcare savvy as we okay. would assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Again, it's being our advocates and, right. and finding someone who's right. on it. Who will support, yes. And, and also realizing, and sometimes the insurance company says no, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have a discussion of what's the risk-benefit of you paying out of pocket and it being super expensive versus your insurance is not going to cover it, and is there an alternative which is just as good? Like, can we do an ultrasound? Mm-hmm. And maybe we can get them to cover an MRI every other. Um, so sometimes uh, clinicians need to, you know, step up their game to be an advocate for their patients as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Kristen. Yes, this was really, this was great. This was incredible. Yes. Uh, we learned, <laughs> we have learned so much, so much today. From uh, yeah. Thank so. you. Well, we want to thank Dr. Critchman for being on today. And as if you want to watch the video, this was recorded at Wise Paws in California. Go to our YouTube channel, Hot Flashes and Cold Topics on YouTube. And we have uh, most of our interviews on there. Make sure you check that out and check us out on all of our social media platforms. We have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have a great Facebook group. And so, you know, women in there help each other out so much. If they have a question, other women in there jump in and try to say what's worked for them. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to this episode. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday where we will have a new episode on hot flashes and cool topics. Have a great week and we will talk to you next time. Bye.